In the 1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folks. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The frontier of ministry has shifted, and we find ourselves riding unmarked trails. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Riders Podcast. Here are Steve, Mike, and Doug, your hosts. Another episode of the Dirt Roads Circuit Riders Podcast. I am Mike Hool, here with the legendary Steve McVeigh and the great Doug Rutledge. I love to introduce this way. They let me introduce every so often, then they limit my ability to talk for good reasons, fellas and ladies. We're glad you're here today talking about rural issues. We're having a season of hard conversations because isn't our life been full of hard conversations over the last couple years? Or maybe you've been one of the lucky ones that never has one. But as leaderships, as leaders, we always have those. And the day where, you know, we've been talking about relationships before we got on the podcast here. And I was thinking about some of the bad breakups and um, no, it's not you, it's me type uh, breakups I've experienced in my life. And Doug has a, a great breakup story to share. I have about 10 million. I work in youth ministry, right? It's amazing. I, I think God has a different name in the Old Testament. and <laughs> It's the God of tragic breakups or changing minds. Um, I'm being facetious, but every teenager is like, God wants me to date. God doesn't want me to date. I contend that Facebook should just have a revolving in a relationship out of a relationship because junior hires are just in, out, in, out, in, out. But for me, um, there are a couple that just popped. Once I tried to break up with a girl and I was trying to avoid the hard conversation, uh, we'd just grown distant. Uh, there were some things you know, where I felt like, uh, it feels like we're not going to be together forever. One of them was that she dated my best friend while I was gone. Um, and so I just wrote her a letter and I was kind and I really was. And I just said, you know, you'll always be special to me. And I, I really want you to appreciate our friendship. I think that's always important. Um, I just think we need to go in a different direction. That's, that's how I did it. She got the, uh, she got the letter. This was in days when there was postage and letters involved in, uh, you know, dear John letters. And so she sent me a letter a week later and I get it back and I'm like, what just happened? It was like, I feel the same way. I felt like we needed to take our relationship to a new level. And I'm like, I just got deeper by trying to break up. This is Whoa. a real problem. I know. Um, the second breakup, so that was not successful. And did you had, finally break up? With I did. I had to call her and say, Dawn? look, I, I no, it was not. No, we, Dawn and I broke up twice. Oh. Yeah. Uh, mostly because I, I was not mature enough or ready enough for a real relationship. And I knew she was a special woman and I knew I was not ready for that. So for me, uh, you know, our first breakup, I just felt like if I, again, if I just ignore the relationship and I'm the biggest jerk in the world, she'll break up with me. She finally did. But she said something in the breakup that changed the course of my life, actually. She said, I don't think you understand who God's made you to be. 
And she said, I, I, I do know who God's made you to be. Wow. That, I mean, that was, those were bold breakup words. Those were not angry words. She, said, she did say she was angry. She said, I am angry. Um, but it was because she realized that I was running from something. Mm. Now, that's not funny, right? Right, right. I mean, we, we got back together after the breakup because she went away uh, and spent the summer in the jungles of Papua New Guinea uh, where she was with a tribe. And she, went, she said that she went up onto the mountain. She gave her singleness to God. God gave it right back, and um, it just so happened we were working that summer at a camp together, and um, I was coming off a speaking thing, and she was coming in from Papua New Guinea, and I was the only ride back to the camp for her. It was very awkward. Uh, We rode back to the camp six hours together, and we're pulling into the dirt road, and she said, so everybody still thinks we're a couple. What do we tell them? It was about a week, and we were back together, so... Um, you know, I, re- I remembered what was special about this woman because I was there in her presence and she was, uh, she was the love of my life. And from that point on, we got back to it. So I guess that's the weirdest segue. I've tried to break up and it didn't work. <laughs> I tried to break up again by being mean and it didn't work again. I'm the last guy to ask about breakups. Evidently. Well, I was uh, not thinking those are the stories we were headed towards, but speaking of breakups, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Gentlemen, I have some news. It's not you. No. Um, but we are talking today about what we call the transfer portal. Now, if you're not a sports person, um, let me explain what the transfer portal is. It's a new thing in college sports where if you don't like the school you're going to in terms of playing time or the coach or the mascot or their maybe the crowd, I don't know. You can just up and leave and go to this portal and go to a different team. Sound familiar, pastors? We don't have to declare it at least publicly. These guys at least have to declare it publicly. But I think maybe we are seeing a lot of that over the last few years of active transfer portals among churches, especially in, I think, rural America. My first question for you two gentlemen is, Mm. why do you think this is the case? Why do you think we're seeing this large of transfer of people? So did you say they don't have to announce it when they enter the portal? They they have to. Oh, because like a lot of the folks that I've seen in the church transfer portal are more than happy to announce oh, it. Very oh, very fair. <laughs> but they don't have to. Legally, they have to for college sports. Yeah, that was go. my point. Yeah. So here's, here's what I'd say. Um, first of all, we have not talked about COVID for some time, and I'm thankful we haven't. But the COVID political mask, all that kind of stuff, um, I would say we've seen an increase in what I call the shifting, where people have shifted from one church to another. Mm. Primarily, the, the, the concern that I have with some of that primarily has to do with disagreements about your reaction to, um, you know, maybe some political stuff and things like that. We, you know, we had a church in um, an extremely rural area that lost a key family because the pastor had prayed for Ukraine here. Um, back during the the Russian Ukraine, you know, when when Russia had invaded Ukraine, and apparently, I don't, I, you guys know, I avoid politics like the plague. I'm a, mm-hmm. you know, no, no soldier gets involved in civ- civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer mentality that I have. But apparently, there's some fringe groups who believe that Russia is right, you know, like QAnon or something. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. Mm-hmm. And literally, they left the church because the pastor prayed for Ukraine. And so we're seeing a lot, like, did my church, you know, we, we saw a lot of that. Did my church, um, did, did my church require a mask, didn't require a mask? Are they pro-Trump, anti-Trump, all that kind of stuff. So you have things other than theology. 
But Mike, you were talking to me earlier when we were thinking about today. The other, the other real aspect is this culture that we have today where people are so easily offended. Absolutely. Offense seems to be the number one thing. I, I, and it's become a Christian word more than anything. I'm offended. I took an offense. You know, I've said that my non-Christian friends have never told me they've taken an offense. Just to be straight up honest, it's, it's really become a Christianese word. But we have become a very offended society. Like, you know, hey, I might say that's a nice shirt. How dare you tell me it's a nice shirt? I thought it was an ugly shirt, so therefore it's not a nice shirt. Like, you could even try to give a compliment and get yourself in trouble if you're not careful. And I offend all the time. I tell people that because I'm not trying to. I'm just a little oblivious to life. And and we can be offended. And then we want to leave because we're upset over a little thing. But here's my question. Where do we see it the most? Because I don't know about you. When I take, when I take offense at work, I usually don't quit my job. I take offense at my family the first time I'm not like out the door. What's going on at churches? I think hanging on to offense is uh, is strictly anti-biblical and anti-Christian. So let's just start there. For me to allow an offense to start defining how I feel about everything, that's a problem. Most people don't think it is. They think, you know, I have the right to my own offense and I'm going to hang on to it. And I know what happens, and I've seen this over and over again, I'm watching it happen in somebody's life right now where they get alone with themselves and they do the self-talk thing. And if you've ever done that, where you continue to build your own case to yourself in a place where there's no check, you can go pretty far down the wrong road and just continue to harp. If I allow bitterness or if I allow offense to become bitterness or if I allow bitterness to become a definition for me, then I justify every action that I have based on my feelings. And I got news for you. My feelings might not be God's. And that might be say, true of the pastor, by the way, too. Um, you, <laughs> might, you might be the same thing. You might get offended by somebody, and you might have to let go of it as well. And, and I think for a lot of us, is we need to look at Jesus as our model. And if we're all Christian pastors, then we should be looking at Jesus' forgiveness ability. And, and I think for a lot of us, that's missing right now in the Christ, Christian world, that we, we, we're more what we're known against than what we're for, and we're yeah. more known for not our forgiveness and reconciliation. Yeah, and you asked, you know, why do we see this so much in the church? So, right. you know, when you think about the transfer portal, I, um, I am a University of Michigan fan, even though I live in Kansas. And so, so sorry. Um, yeah, I know. But uh, if you follow our fan pages, like University of Michigan fan pages, when someone, uh, a top athlete, comes through the portal, oh man, we it's advertised on there. Look, guys, we have this, whoever it is from wherever, who has decided that we are a better college than the other college that they come from, and this is going to build our team. If we go back to last time, we talked about turf wars. If one of the reasons that this this great shifting takes place is because you are like if if you get in conflict if i get offended at doug's church and i go to mike's church at mike's church not only am i not offended i am celebrated i am an answer to prayer for them they've been praying that someone with my ministry gifts would come to their church (laughs) oh man that sounds familiar i mean this is as old as the church where we used to sing there's a welcome here and half the people were transfers from other churches and they were disgruntled (laughs) right right way back in the day yeah and can we throw in the rural element for just a little bit because so like like think about divorce like when you went 
for, for most of us who are shepherds, when someone leaves our church, if they've been a part of our church for a long time, there is a divorce equality to it. Okay. Yeah. There just is. Yeah. Well, if you live in a town of a million and you get divorced, you're never going to see your ex again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're just, you know, the people that you work with aren't going to know anything other than your ex. When you're in a small town and you get divorced, let's, let's, mm. before we jump into church, if you're in a, if you're in a town of 1200, and you get divorced and you both stay in that town, you're going to see each other and have to work with each other on a regular basis. So every, everybody knows, you know, everyone knows who's going to what church, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, in a rural setting, your church is smaller. Everybody knows you probably have a shepherd's heart. When someone leaves, it is, the pain is exaggerated, I think. Oh, exactly. So what do you, you know, when you think about that, so... Why should, does it matter? Then the question, does it matter that they're, they're transferring? I think it, I, this, so this is my statement. I think there are two things that spark it, first of all, that you know, I want to jump in on. Number one, there's this uh, illusion, this romance, that there's something better else out there. There's something else that's better for me. So I'm looking at a church, and I'm like, that, this, and there is a reality to that. There are some churches that honestly maybe should leave maybe they're teaching heresy, maybe something's wrong, you know, that's going on there and you can't, yeah, but, but it's not always the case. If it's an offense issue where he said something, she said something, I got, I got offended. I'm leaving. Um, there, there's this illusion that there's something else out there that's better. That's the first illusion. Yeah. And that illusion is certainly reinforced by the church you're going to that believes fundamentally below the surface. Well, of course they came here. Right. Of right. course they came yeah. here. You know, yeah. Yeah. A, a church alive is worth the drive. But is there a good time? Like, like so if we're going to really, I mean, we have a difficult conversation here, Christian yeah. conversation yeah. about this. Um, as, as a pastor, what is the right thing? What do I do if someone transfers into my church? I mean, am I responsible to make sure that they've come for the right reasons? Because like Mike, you asked, does it matter? You were telling us a story from your your life with your kids, and in, in you changed churches in a small setting. Absolutely. And to make matters even worse, I was the high school basketball coach, which mm-hmm. uh, is even more of a challenge. Talk about being known in, in sports, athletics, and rural communities. We all know sports is a little bit of a king. And our situation was very unique because we were attending a traditional church, as I'll use that language, for I'm in a contemporary type church. Nothing yeah, wrong yeah. with either one. There's no right. judgment. I'm just telling you where I was at. Love the church, love the church I was in, but they had, I had two little kids, and I mean by little, very little at the time we first joined, and our kids were the only kids in the entire church. Now, we stuck around for like almost four years. In fact, I was in leadership by the end. I loved every person there. I have nothing but high praise for that church. Well, this is a little different story than you hear for most, right? There's no, there was no offense, but we couldn't find it. We could, we'd invite a family in. They wouldn't stay because there was no other kids, and we finally realized our kids had no relationships to work off of. So we realized we had to then find something. And then I had to like deal with that reality. Yeah. And, and the, the thing was, is we blessed the pastor on the way out. We did. In fact, we cried together. We blessed the church on the way out. You still hear this 20-some years later, this, this story of how much we loved them. And they're a key foundation in my discipleship process. And then I had to figure another church out. You know how hard that was as the basketball coach to walk in? And it was like you could just, just randomly show up. Mm-hmm. And so like... I, I think there's a difference in there when there's a time. And, 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 and I think if you can bless your church on the way out, then maybe you're in a different situation. But how often do we do that? Yeah, 
that's a tough one. So, so if, if I really want to have a hard conversation and the truth is, is that someone starts attending my church, is there, is there like a best, a set of best practices? What, what should I do if someone from the church down the road and because it's a small community, I know, um, you know, and, and you know, if there's been controversy, I probably know that too, Mm -hmm. but, but someone walks in my door, what, what are the best practices there? Well, I think communication with the pastors, we've been harping on this. So, uh, and candor, real candor. So I'm willing to go to a pastor and say, hey, um, I just had a, a couple come to our church. They say they're from your church. Uh, they've talked about how they didn't feel like they were being fed. I know that hurts to hear. I'm interested if there's something I need to know. Let's just, let's deal with some reality here first. Let's get both sides because one side always sounds like the truth. So I hear that. Um, that'll be hard for the pastor. If it's a reoccurring theme in his church where he's lost five you know, people and it's a non-offensive scenario, but maybe it's, they just don't have ministry for us. Um, the pastor's not a very good preacher, which let's face facts, uh, if a pastor is not a good communicator of God's word, they're going to lose people. Mm-hmm. They, they really are. This is one of the skill sets that a pastor, I feel, has to have, the ability to preach. Um, so that open communication with other pastors or else when somebody transfers in, you know, what, what do you do? Yeah, and I would think the best for that, the best way to have good communication with other pastors is to have that communication before it happens. Oh, yeah. So like the, uh, the pastors there in, um, because when, when we, you know, we grew a church from 30 to 400 in a town of 40, there was transfer growth. Anyone who doesn't think transfer was a part of that, there was transfer, transfer right, growth. It was, there were situations similar to what you were saying, Michael, families that, you know, were coming from churches. And every one of those pastors would say, well, if you'd send me two or three families, we could have, you know, we could have reversed this. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's a, sure. a lot of things there. But what I, what I eventually did is I just went to each pastor. I explained to them, this is what I'm going to do. If someone comes, you need to know that I'm going to be talking to you and, and, and build that relationship first and then make sure to check my own heart because the truth is, is that down deep, I might believe they would be better off with me because, you know, <laughs> so I have to make sure that I'm doing that. Right. The second thing real quick there, because I'm, you know, time, we want to value people's time and everything, but, but we need to make sure that we don't purposefully do things that attract people from other churches. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, oh my goodness, we, we can't go down these roads. I better be quiet. But like how many churches have outreach events that are geared towards Christians and then advertise their, their, uh, their, their programming, you know, oh, we're going to have a gospel quartet to reach those down and out centers. Mm. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's so true. You know, I just was, there was just a strategy of a pastor that I know, not a friend of mine, not in our town. Um, just so you know that everybody's listening to our town, they yeah. probably know the story maybe, but he'd have these hope weekends that were like deep into prayer and all he was in, in for people that didn't know Jesus, but only people that were going were Christians sure. and it was a long ad for their church and, and you know, God bless him. I mean, maybe he really doesn't believe that, but I think we have to ask ourselves and check our own hearts at the door. So I think communication's one. I think communicating with the person coming in matters too, don't you, Doug? Yeah, I think that's an interesting phenomenon. And look, if you're in a, a church that's a little larger and you have an influx of people, this is a really hard job. It's hard to interview everybody who comes in. That's why we have 
boards that work with us, trustees, elders, what, whatever your church calls them, uh, you know, deacons, or it, it doesn't matter what you call them. You have people who are capable of having a conversation where you sit down and you say, hey, so you're coming from where? And you get a chance to, to sense their heart. If you feel that there's a what's in it for me in the conversation, man, that's a red flag. Absolutely. You know, what's in it for me? How can you serve me better? I, I was not being fed. That's a spiritually immature statement. Because, uh, Steve, you know this. Mike, you know this. I know this. Name the last church where the pastor hits your scratch every time yeah. they preach. Nobody can. I mean, I don't care who it is. And if you found the perfect church, I used to tell people you should run. Because that means something you've created in your own head versus the reality of what's on the ground. I, I'm a little more uh, caustic than that. I say, if you find the perfect church and you're going there, stop. You're going to mess this up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. So, you know, Pastor, we know it's a tough subject as we kind of you know, land the plane here soon. That I just want to encourage you, one, to be that pastor who uh, loves other churches, to be that pastor who can communicate with other churches and to be able to communicate with others and find out the reasons, you know, one last thought. Yeah. Yeah. My thought is this, if you're a pastor and you're, and you're losing people do exit interviews, like be honest enough to say, I know you're leaving. I know you're disgruntled. You be the person. I, I say this to my staff all the, it is always on me. It is always on us. And so I go to them and I say, if I've offended you, I'm sorry. If I'm not, if we're not ministering to your needs, I'm sorry. Can I help you find a church? Is there something I can do that will help you be a part of, of you know, Absolutely. God's family? And then say, and I'm for our good. What can we improve on that exit interview? Then to say a critical thing, which is, we don't want to lose you. You're valuable and important to us because we love you. If, if making change will help you stay, that's great. But we want to be the best church that God's made us to be. Absolutely. If you can bless them and they can bless you, that's the best you can hope for. Yeah. And, and so, pastors, as we wrap up today, I just want to encourage you in this, that it happens to everybody. It's not just you. It's me kind of theory happens to all of us. <laughs> and that has to be okay at times. But I think sometimes we ask the bigger questions, and I think sometimes we have to have those hard conversations with our pastoral community and with our, our community at large and our faith community. So, and we see it down the road again. I hope you're having a great week, a great day, and take care, everybody. The Circuit Riders would like to thank their partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. www.richroastcoffee.com Your church can enjoy a great cup of java while supporting rural ministry. Order some of their delicious varieties. Our friends at thinkorange.com wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Contact Leanne at crossroadsfarm.org for information about special incentives from Orange for rural churches. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus Making Disciples, www.multiplyvineyard.org slash smalltownusa. Crossroads Farm, working alongside our rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, 
Loving the Rural Team. www.crossroadsfarm.org. Ask about our four-year training curriculum for servant leaders in student ministry. If you're interested in having one of the riders speak at your church or event, contact us at circuitriderspodcast at gmail.com. Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com. For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying until the next Circuit Riders podcast, happy trails.